Okay, guys, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. Got a word to share. It's a little bit of a deviation from the, the path we've been on with prayer up to this point. I could not get away from this last night. I was wrestling it out all day yesterday, trying to get to the word, and I just sensed that this is what the Lord has for us today. So I was working yesterday on my kitchen sink plumbing. There, there was a problem with the, uh, the strainer and the, the water wasn't coming out really great. And so the <clears throat> handyman that I am, I got my uh, tools out and I started to work on it. Didn't fix it, by the way, just to get to the end of the story real quick. It was not fixed by the end. So I've got to call Sunflower Service. It's kind of a local plumbing company. It's, it's called today, get a discount. Um, I was working on this and taking some of the high pressure hoses off and things like that. And I got to the point of getting up underneath there and I, I took one of these hoses off with a little uh, cotter pin that goes in a gold uh, threaded adapter piece that goes on the bottom of the faucet. I think I sent Dina a picture. It's a, it's a gold uh, thing with little slots in the top, right? And I'm working on this and there's a little uh, cotter pin that goes in there. I won't show you the picture yet because I, I, I want to get to the point of it, but this cotter pin that goes in the top is a silver piece. And it's a little tiny, little tiny thing, like, like yay big. And as I pulled it out, it dropped out of my hands. And it, I hear ding, 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 and it goes silent. Of course, I'm underneath the sink. Well, underneath my sink, there's a hole where the drain line is. And it goes all the way down like three feet into the dust of like the floor below, right? The subfloor below. And so just automatically thinking, oh, no. This is bad. This one little tiny piece stopped the whole sink repair program of 2020 in my house. I am dead in the water. And right when I thought that, I thought, and that's just how it is in the body of Christ. This little tiny piece that I lost held the high pressure hose that goes to the faucet. And it was like the most insignificant looking little thing. And so I get my flashlight out. If you've ever worked on a sink and done plumbing with six kids kind of on your lap, you realize it's not really an efficient program. So I'm kind of kicking the babies out of the way. Haven's in there helping me. I get the flashlight down and I look down at the very bottom down there in the dust and there's this little tiny cotter pin down there. And so I, I kind of put a contraption together with a fly swatter and little magnet thing to try to reach all the way down there and get it. And I couldn't get it. I just kept on trying. The magnet wasn't strong enough to get it. So I said, okay, here we go. So I got wedged all the way back up in there and got my arm through this little hole and reached all the way down, all the way down to where my, you know, my fingers were down in the dark. I couldn't see anything. And so I'm just feeling with my fingers. I can't find it, can't find it. Finally, I feel it. I grabbed that little cotter pin and pull it back up. And I was like, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. You know, this is great. I don't have to order it online. So I'm looking at this little thing and I thought, how precious this little piece is to me. It kept me going today. I didn't have to order it. Do you know what it looks like? You want to know what it looks like? Come on, Dina, put it up there. I looked at this last night. I'm like, I got to show this. It looks like a person. It looks like a person. So the Holy Spirit's talking to me last night. This is the word. This is the word. This little piece was dropped <clears throat> and it fell down in the dark and in the dust. 
And a lot of times, I wonder if we sometimes feel like that's where we belong, because we're all the way down there, kind of out of sight, kind of in the darkness. We don't have much of a place in the body, and we're definitely not as significant as like a high-pressure water hose or the faucet, or for sure not like the, the fixture on the top that looks super professional. Everybody looks at it, right? I'm just underneath the sink, and I don't really matter in the body of Christ. And it actually takes the Lord's hand to reach down, and for some of you today, you can feel him, his fingers on your life right now. And he's wanting to draw you back up out of the dust and put you where you belong, which is a very important place in the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Let me say that again. He's placed all the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. A finger does not function terribly well in an eye socket and vice versa. He has put you exactly where he wants you to be. He's designed you to be where you're supposed to be in the body of Christ. You might not be functioning as a finger or as an eye, but he's designed you to function that way. You might be down in the dust and away, and I want to talk about that in a minute, but he's made you for this reason. Verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The word indispensable is like absolutely necessary. Indispensable is like essential. I've got to have that little cotter pin to continue on. Without it, the entire sink is not going to work right now. The drain soaked up, the garbage is disposal, everything looks nice on the top, but without that little piece, hear me, Without that little piece, the whole thing does not function as it should. So if I had a big engine up here, which parts would I take off to keep it running? I, I could take off a few parts and it would still run really rough, but I couldn't do that. Like the, just a little fuel line, that's all it is. Just take that off. A little electrical connection, a little whatever it is. Just take the little things off and all of a sudden it's not running like it should. The, the little indispensable parts, seeming weaker parts, are actually the most indispensable. They're, they're the most essential to keep it running. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now you are collectively the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Take a uh, left back to Romans chapter 12. Common verse here for you. Romans 12, starting in verse 4, says it this way. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, praise the Lord. I'm glad that my body is not an elbow. I don't do very well as just an elbow. Each one does not have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. 
And each member, love this, belongs to the other. Each one belongs to the other. We're all belonging to each other as the one body here. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. So, to recap on this, we're all one body. Not all the members have the same function, praise the Lord. Each belongs to the other. Each one of you has a different gift. And get this, the gift that you have came with a package of grace to walk the gift out. Joanne Stats from New York, Stats has the gift of prophecy. When I called her up here, she had something overflow. She prophesied in accordance with her faith. And I exercise a word of knowledge there. You all understand the grace that Joanne has to prophesy was given to her by the Lord. It's not like she works doing prophecy, lifting weights three hours a day to do this, right? It just comes naturally. She can't help herself. This is what prophetic people do. Some of y'all have the gift in here of service. When you show up to someone, you've actually got a grace gift. You're mechanical, unlike some other people that aren't mechanical. And so you can just do things with your hands and you've got like an engineer's mind and you're able to think through mechanical processes and you're just, you're super smart. And so for people in your family that need that work, you need people like that. You don't like to be touched, right? Some of you have the gift of teaching. So the, the Bible is just in, right now I'm exercising my gift of teaching. This isn't hard for me to do. This is a grace given to me. I can't take any credit for being a teacher other than by the grace that God's given me. This is what I do. Some of you, when you're around people, Mike is this way. Just, I just want to encourage you. I just want to I I help. How can I be an assistant, right? She doesn't have to work on that. It's a natural thing for her because the Lord gave her grace to do it. So the gift that you have is different. Praise the Lord for that. Everybody has one of these seven, prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, and mercy. Everybody has one of the seven. Most of all have two or three that are working in your life. Kind of a strong one or two and a less strong number three usually is what I see. Here's a question. By a show of hands, how many of you are 100% sure what you're built to do in the body of Christ. You know your, your grace gift, 100% sure. How many of you, it's kind of a great area by a show of hands, you're like, I'm not 100% sure what I've been made to do in the body of Christ by a show of hands. Eh, it's a weak 50% back and forth. I think this is really important for us. And the coming days, Lord willing, he's going to give us grace to understand what does this look like for this little tiny thing we call the body of Christ in El Dorado. New life equipping ministry. What does it look like for us to function as one body, to have momentum together, to learn to look at each other according to the spirit and not according to the flesh, 
right? I need to look and I need to view these people and in your marriage to view your spouse according to the spirit, according to the grace given them, not according to the grace that they didn't get. Are you willing to believe that he has made you a part of the body of Christ is a question for you this morning. Are you willing to believe that he's got such intense love for you that he's actually got a really, really good benefits package in the kingdom of God for you. A really good benefits package. Like, here's the position I'm calling you to, and here's all the benefits that come with it. It's so good. Are you willing to sign up for that? What does your assignment look like in the kingdom of God? He'll reveal that to you. Are you willing to take your eyes off of yourself and even, listen, off of other people around you? Other people around you and what they do and what they're good at? And actually to set your eyes on him and say, make me the best little flower I can be. I might be surrounded by cypress trees. I might be surrounded by vines and all these fruitful things. But I'm just this little violet. Make me the best one I can be. Doesn't matter to the Lord where you're 300 foot tall California redwood or you're a little flower. What has he called you to be in the, in the kingdom? Bloom where you're planted. Behold what manner of love that we should be called his children. God's children. You ever taken a moment just to meditate on that? You are God's, God, capital G, his child. Do we realize what, what responsibility that puts on us, the onus that puts on us, the, the immense amount of resource that we have as God's son or daughter. Behold what manner of love that he would do this, that he would pluck up these little tiny creatures like us from the dust, and he would elevate us and seat us with kings and princesses, and he would seat us as his right hand. It's, it's really mind-blowing to think about this. If we don't trust his love, if we don't believe the fact that he's made us a part of the body of Christ, then what we do is we put up walls of protection around us. Because I've got to be protected from feeling less than from brothers and sisters who might look more talented than me or get more attention than me. And I've got to protect myself from my, for self-worth's sake. I've got, to, I've got to have confidence in myself. And so if I don't believe that God has something specifically for me in the kingdom, then I put up a wall of protection. The problem with that is that wall of protection is also a wall of prevention, and it keeps you from spilling out and pouring forth for the body of Christ and for the world around you. It's a wall of prevention that keeps you from being who you're made to be in the kingdom. The seed cannot explode with life unless it's in the right environment, unless it acknowledges, I'm a seed, and it goes down in the dirt. You also have tons of good stuff inside of you, and that can't come forth unless you're in the right environment, unless you agree with the process. So, Ephesians chapter 2, go to your right. This is the core of my word here right now, I want to get to. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We're going to be focusing in on the word work or the word works in Ephesians here, just for a moment. So stay with me on this if you would. Verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece, or we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. Stay right there and look over on the right side of the page and go to Ephesians 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Stay, stay on that word works there and go to verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part watches the minister do his work. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its, apostrophe, work. Its work. It's, it's your work. It belongs to you. As each part does its work, the body grows and builds itself up in love. Okay, so take a step back away from all three of these. We have 2.10 that says we're created for good works in Christ Jesus which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have 4.11 that says, 4.12 that says that the equippers equip the people for works of service. And then we have 4.16 that says the body grows as each one of these people does their works. A couple short circuit options. Here's a couple cul-de-sacs for you. Number one, you don't believe you're his masterpiece. The enemy will keep you there all day long. You don't believe that you are created for good works. That's a way to get off the track and get down in the dust in the dark underneath that sink and to kind of be isolated. That's one way. You think you're less than, therefore you think you're unimportant or you're useless, or you don't see clearly what the Lord has called you to do in the kingdom. And so there's this comparison, which I think Sam preached on this last night, which comes from fear and insecurity. And then there's this isolation that happens sometimes that comes from pride and independence. And fear and pride are the two twin towers that have to come down in our lives for the church to advance, make progress. So comparison to others comes from fear and insecurity. And isolation from others comes from our pride and independent spirit. And the enemy loves to leave us there in that place. And we stay there because we don't know that we're his masterpiece created for good works. Another option for distraction or ending up in a cul-de-sac or short circuit is I'll let the equippers do it. I'll let the professionals do it. I made a joke about that. It, the, that it's, it's the super spiritual among us who actually do the evangelism and it's a super spiritual that prophesy and, and they pray for things and they get things when they pray, but not me, I'm just less than because I don't read the Bible. It's the super spiritual that know the word more. So I'll leave it to them. No, 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 no. It's the works that you're called to that actually build the body of Christ up. Each one of you doing your work. But it's, a, it's an easy thing to fall back into is that I'll let others do it. And number three, a cul-de-sac, a short circuit in the process is that we're not devoted to the work that we know we're called to do. Remember back in Romans 12, if your gift is this, then do it. If your gift is this, then do it. If it's serving, then serve. Sometimes we just don't devote ourselves to good works. 
Again, this is not a law-based thing. This is just if you know what you're supposed to do and you've been equipped to do it, the next step is do it. Get out and do it. What does that look like for you? I don't know. The Lord knows. Ask him what it looks like and be willing to take the next step of obedience. Titus 3, 14 says, Our people must devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live... You know it's possible to live an unproductive life as a believer. Absolutely possible for you to be a, a, a kingdom person sealed with the Spirit, headed to heaven, and be totally unproductive. I hate to break that to you. I don't want to do that. I don't think you all want to do that. But if you're not giving yourself to the work you're called to, you will be. You will have an unproductive garden. Some produce 30, some 60, some 100-fold, but some with the talent just bury it in the ground. They don't do anything with it. It's not even accruing interest. Unproductive lives. I don't want to see that happen to you all. Here's the secret. I was going to say it's a dirty little secret, but it's so high and holy and wonderful it can't be called that. But here's the secret. God's good. When you hear good works, what do some of you think of? Let me say it. Some of you are like, ah, more prayer meetings. I got to show up. I got to go minister my neighbors. I got to serve. I got to do good works instead of watching the Chiefs game this afternoon. I don't, good works sound like a drudgery. Good works kind of sound a little bit boring in the kingdom. And also, I just don't have as much self-discipline as I need to pull off, right? Kind of being honest, some of you are thinking that. Good works are actually an exciting adventure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your assignment, your benefits package, the, the job that he's created you for, is, is act, it's actually specifically suited for your heart's desire. Did you know that? The Lord who built you knows your heart's desire and what will bring you maximum joy is what you've been designed to do in the kingdom. Your good work is actually suited for your prophetic story in history. Do you understand that? All of your junk is actually designed to promote your good works, right, Kelly Alexander? You come from the darkness and you actually stand on this pile of darkness and you proclaim the kingdom from that and say, look what the Lord did for me. Your prophetic story, where you were born, what your family history is, your good works are actually wrapped up in that. God's so wise to do that. Here's another thing. Your good works are wrapped up around your talents and abilities. Did you know that? You got specific gifts, not just spiritual gifts, but you got natural gifts. You went to school to study that, right? You had a lot of training in this particular field. And the good works the Lord's called you to do are all wrapped up in that. Lastly, the good work the Lord has for you, the job assignment, is made to bring maximum fruitfulness from your life. Maximum fruitfulness, which in turn brings you maximum joy. Isn't that cool? Like who, is a, who serves a God like this, that he would actually draw us to himself and give us stuff to do, but give us unbelievable joy while we're doing it? It's almost unfair. It's too easy. I'm telling you guys, the, the, the life in the kingdom is, is unbelievably expensive 
expensive to the world because they spend all kinds of money and all kinds of resources to go get what we've been given in Christ Jesus. It's expensive to go get what we have for free. Life and joy and peace and, the, and provision for us and fruitfulness. It's, it's amazing. We're reading a book right now called The Bark of the Bog Owl with our kids. And uh, in the story, there's this little 12-year-old boy named Aiden. And it's prophesied that he, Aiden, will be the wilder king. And so this seer, this prophet, comes from the forest, and he, and he comes out. His name is Bayard, the truth speaker. And Bayard speaks to Aiden, and he says, you will be the wilder king. And it's, it's a play off of the story of David and, and his brothers and how Samuel comes. And he goes through all of the older brothers and all the way down. He's like, isn't there any more? And finally, David's out tending the sheep. It's that same type of a story. And so Aiden just barely, barely has enough faith to believe that Bayard, the truth speaker, is telling him the truth. And so Bayard stands up to leave. You're going to be the wilder king. And Aiden says, whoa, 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 whoa. What does this mean? How do I live now? I mean, at 12 years old, what is this? There's a king on the throne right now, like Saul was king with David. There's a king. What am I supposed to do? And Bayard looks at him and he says, do just the same as if I had not told you this. Live the life that unfolds before you. Live the life that unfolds before you. Yes, he says, but what is it? To, to fulfill the prophecy, it says that the wilder king lives in the forest. Should I go live in the forest now? To fulfill the prophecy, I must be a mighty man. Should I go practice? And he goes, do not force yourself on the ancient prophecies. Live the life that unfolds before you. How easy is that, right? I'm in front and I have the mic and I'm not trying to make this about me, but here's my story. I'm in college, headed down a track of life and I just start getting gripped with the fact that I don't wanna waste my life. I've said this before, I don't let me waste my life. In the midst of this, I've got an intense burning love for my family, my biological family. I just want to be close to them. I just want to work with them. I want to bless them. And on the other side, I've got this intense burning passion to like equip. I don't even know at the time, but I want to teach and I want to lead worship and I want to do what I'm called to do. But I'm all confused. I don't know what it means, but I just start crying out, don't let me waste my life. As a nominal Christian, lukewarm, doesn't really like the Bible, doesn't really like prayer, and doesn't know much about spiritual living, living according to the Spirit. I begin to cry out for it. And the Lord, through a series of events, puts me together with my wife. And then January 7th, 2007, he calls me. You're to come to El Dorado and you're to work with your dad, which had a double meaning for me. I was to work with my biological dad, John, in the oil field, prophetically pumping oil out of the ground. I was to work with my spiritual dad, Sam. And so here I end up, all these years later, standing before you as someone who gets to work with my family and do the, I, I got a, a degree in business administration. I get to do that and I get to serve the body of Christ like this. And I got a, a beautiful wife and six kids. I just said yes. And I just did the next thing that unfolds before me. Have there been troubles? Absolutely, there has been. 
But I'm telling you, I am so glad I said yes to the Lord's good works that he had prepared in advance for me to do instead of trying to figure them out on my own. I'm so glad I did that because there's life and joy and peace and fruitfulness that comes from this. It's not a heavy weight to carry. Every single one of you has your own story. Mine's just mine. I'm just using that as an example. Every single one of you, my Aunt Jan Thompson down in Haiti, raising a kid and adopting three more back in the late 90s, and her husband leaves her flat. What's she to do? She had a word from the Lord when she was a teenager, a little girl that she would be a missionary someday. She wasn't living that life. Through the nasty divorce, through all that happens, she goes to YWAM. The Lord births this desire in her heart. Now she's down in Haiti with two or three houses, 60 orphans now all these years later, looking to buy another house and have deaf kids there. She'll be back to share with us. But those were the good works the Lord had for her to walk in. He already prepared the good works for you guys. Don't worry about it. Live the life that unfolds before you. He's already prepared them. All you have to do is be willing to say yes to that. Does this make sense? Okay, so let me finish with this. Matthew chapter five, verses 14 through 16. And we will call it a day after this. Matthew chapter five, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. Somebody tell me why we are the light of the world. Because he is the light of the world and the light's in us. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its lampstand or on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works or your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Therefore, let your light shine so that people can see your good works. They can see actually in the darkness and they can give glory to your Father in heaven. Matthew Henry sums up this passage this way. He says, let them, let the world see your good works that they may see the power of God's grace in you and may thank him and give him glory who has given such power unto men. Let them see it. We don't do our good works to be seen, but we do our good works that they may be seen, that people may glorify the Father in heaven. We're just empty vessels, just empty jars. If the Lord chooses to do something through us, he gets the glory and not us. This is the part that jumped out at me as I was reading in verse 15. They don't put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. What's your stand? What's your stand? What's the platform the Lord has given you to shine your light? It might be your workplace, might be your neighborhood, might be your home, might be a ministry platform of some other kind. But the Lord has given each one of you. Now, a lampstand in the, verse, in the book of Revelation is the church. That's what the lampstand is. It's the local church. So if you imagine this, we've got like a candelabra up here, and the Lord has made each one of you a light and put you in the church, in the place where you're supposed to be, to shine your light. What is it for you? What's your stand? 
Brad's a police officer in Parker, Colorado. And Brad was a nominal believer for years and years of his life. Showed up at church, didn't really like reading the Bible, didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. Brad got caught on fire a couple years ago. Now the very same thing he's doing that he was doing before in the police department is different. Why? Because he is walking in his good works. He didn't see him before. They were there. He didn't see him. Now his eyes have been opened and now the good works are just kind of like jumping into the boat. Like these opportunities come because he's just got eyes to see him. And so now he's able to just meet the Lord where he's at in that person's life and bring encouragement. He's changing the Parker Police Department. He's changing the atmosphere out there. It's recognized by believers and non-believers. Tons of you have the same story out there. Walking in the good works doesn't necessarily mean you're doing anything different than you were doing before. You're just thinking different. You're seeing with eyes of faith. You're walking by faith and not by sight. What's your place on the stand. Each one of you has one. Okay. Finish with this. Regina Jurgens said, does your wife love it when you take her decorations from her house to use object examples at church? And the answer is, as long as we don't smash it. All right. Something I was thinking about last night, letting your light shine is not just about giving light to those around you. That's a very good thing to do. When we let our light shine, we do light up the house that we're in. When we let our light shine, we light up the darkness for people to walk in. And when we let our light shine, the Lord is glorified. But that's not the only reason we let our light shine. It's actually very, very good for us, and the Lord knows this, for this to happen. Because we know it says, don't put your light underneath a bowl. So imagine that this was dark and we couldn't see anything through it. The light would automatically go away, but it's clear so we can see. It's, a, it's an unfortunate thing what happens to the light over time when we don't let our light shine before men. It's a sad thing to watch it. And we actually can feel for a season, it's still there. We can feel the flame, but we can also feel it getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And pretty soon we're here. Because we have not lived outside of the bowl, we have suffered because of it. And we're living an unproductive spiritual life. We also can't give light to anyone around us. That's true. People can't glorify God through us. But it actually harms us to live that way. Does this make sense? So it's actually necessary for you as a believer to function the way you're made to function, to live with the bowl off of your head, the bushel basket off of your head to do the good works that you were called to do. So this is life and death. This isn't just like, oh yeah, some of you are gonna do good works and others won't, it's okay. It's like, no, if you wanna function as a believer in health and wholeness, doing the work the Lord's called you to do, 
You have to say yes to the work he's provided for you. If you don't know what that is, if you don't know what your gift mix is, I'd like to help you find it. The body of Christ here would like to help you find it. If you don't know how to get the flame back started again, and if you feel discouraged that you've let your flame go out and it'll never go back, we're talking about it this morning, prophesy. Dry bones, right? Speak. The Lord can light you up again. He can light you up again. You don't have the power to light yourself up. It comes from another source, right? But the Lord can do it. Lord, light the fire in my heart again. Lord, I want to shine again, right? I want to shine again. I don't want to be this, this, this dark thing anymore. I don't want to be unproductive. Let's stand. I'm going to ask you just to take a moment in silence, just to interact with the Lord here. Holy Spirit, I pray anything I said that hits home, any part of this, I pray you just remind the saints of that word right now. Where are they at? Do you need the flame of faith lit again? Are you confused about your good work that the Lord's called you to do? Just cry out to him. If you're living an unproductive life, just tell him. Say, Lord, change me. I don't, I don't want to waste my life. Would you call me to the place I'm supposed to be? If you're in that place doing that work and you're discouraged, pray for encouragement. Pray for the oxygen you need to continue doing that work. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word that gives light, Lord. I thank you for these precious saints and all the good works you've bottled up inside of them. I pray that they would know it, God. I pray that they would know their assignment in the body. Hands, eyes, feet, ears, mouths, Lord. I pray that you would just confirm it in people, God. Light us up, God, we pray. Holy Spirit, we prophesy to the breath. I pray that you would just make these bones come alive, God. Light us up for your glory. Light the flame again, Lord, we ask here in El Dorado. Lord, we ask for a fruitful body here, God, that we would multiply, Lord, that we would care for one another, and that as each part does its work, we would be built up, God. Bless the saints this week. Keep them safe. Bring us back together again safely, Lord, this next week. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Have a good week.